No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Now, we've all heard the saying, out of the frying pan and into the fire. That's the situation in which Jacob found himself as he just left Laban and prepared to meet Esau. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Genesis chapter 32 on Simply the Bible. After being in Paden Aram for 20 years, Jacob was returning to the land of Canaan. He had a difficult confrontation and separation from his uncle Laban in the mountains of Gilead, which is east of the Jordan River. Now he was preparing for another difficult meeting. We pick it up in Genesis 32. So Jacob went on his way and the angels of God met him. When Jacob saw them, he said, this is God's camp. And he called the name of that place Mahanaim. How wonderful would it be to have the angels of God meet you, especially when you just got through with a stressful meeting with your uncle and you're on your way to another stressful meeting with your brother who the last time you saw him, he wanted to kill you. Talk about needing some angelic encouragement. Speaking of angels, the author of Hebrews writes, Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? We know that when Jesus agonized in prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night before he was crucified, an angel from heaven appeared, strengthening him. And I think the angels of God probably met Jacob to strengthen him before this dreadful meeting with Esau. Jacob names the place Mahanaim, which means two camps. Why does he name it that? I think because he recognized that God's camp was dwelling with his own. Perhaps these were the same angels that Jacob saw 20 years earlier in a dream, ascending and descending a ladder that was stretched from earth to heaven. Verse 3, Then Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother in the land of Seir, the country of Edom. And he commanded them, saying, Speak thus to my lord Esau. Thus your servant Jacob says, I have dwelt with Laban and stayed there until now. I have oxen, donkeys, flocks, and male and female servants, and I have sent to tell my Lord that I may find favor in your sight. Then the messengers returned to Jacob, saying, We came to your brother Esau, and he also is coming to meet you, and four hundred men are with him. Notice how Jacob puts this. First, he addresses his brother, Lord, even though God had made it clear before they were even born that it would be Esau serving Jacob. Second, he is careful to tell Esau that he has much livestock and servants. He didn't want his brother to think that he was coming after his goods or the inheritance from their father. Jacob's hope is that in 20 years, Esau's anger and hatred have subsided so that his brother accepts him. Imagine Jacob's horror when his messengers return with the news that Esau is coming to meet him with an army of 400 men. Verse 7, So Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed, and he divided the people that were with him and the flocks and herds and camels into two companies. And he said, If Esau comes to the one company and attacks it, then the other company which is left will escape. Jacob is a clever guy. 
and his ingenuity has gotten him by over the years. But this news rocks Jacob to the core. Since he doesn't know his brother's intentions, he divides the camp in two, so that if Esau attacks the front company, then the rear company can escape. Of course, Jacob, his wives, and children would all be in the rear company, ready to make a clean getaway. Verse 9, Then Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham, and God of my father Isaac, the Lord who said to me, Return to your country and to your family, and I will deal well with you. I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies and all the truth which you have shown your servant. For I crossed over this Jordan with my staff, and now I have become two companies. Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him lest he come and attack me and the mother with the children. For you said, I will surely treat you well and make your descendants as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. Jacob is distressed. And at the end of his own resources, he realizes now, perhaps for the first time ever, how much he needs God. In desperation, he pours his heart out to the Lord. I observe six things about this prayer. First, Jacob addresses him as God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, and the Lord, or Yahweh. Jacob does not even feel worthy to call him his own God. Second, he reminds God of his command to go back to the land of his family and his promise that he would be with him. It is always good to remind God what he has said when we pray. Third, Jacob humbles himself before God, acknowledging that he owes everything to his mercy. He says, I'm not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which you have shown your servant, for I crossed over this Jordan with my staff and now have become two companies. It seems like the more mature we become in the Lord, the more we realize just how unworthy we are of the least of his favors. When we're young, we think God is sort of blessed to have us on his team. But the more we become aware of God's mercies and truth and our own sinfulness, the more we realize how much he has blessed us far beyond what we deserve. Naked we came into this world knowing nothing, and anything we have is because of his benevolent grace. Fourth, Jacob specifically asked God to deliver him from the hand of his brother Esau. God wants us to be specific in our prayers. Fifth, Jacob is honest with God. He said, I fear him, lest he come and attack me and the mother with the children. Sometimes we beat around the bush in prayer and don't really tell God how we feel. God knows your heart better than you do. Better to be honest with him. Sixth, Jacob ends by reminding God once again what he said. For you said, I will surely treat you well and make your descendants as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. God's promises are the foundation of our faith. Verse 13. So he lodged there that same night and took what came to his hand as a present for Esau's brother, 200 female goats and 20 male goats, 200 ewes and 20 rams, 30 milk camels and their colts, 40 cows and 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys and 10 foals. 
What does it mean that Jacob took what came to his hand as a present for Esau? Did he tell God that whichever animals came to him, he would give to his brother? Is Jacob trusting the Lord here to work this out, or is he trusting in his own wisdom to appease his brother? Often we pray and pour our heart out to God, but then we start working it out as though it all depends upon us. It isn't always easy to know what is God's part and what is our part. This was especially difficult for Jacob, who was used to strategizing and manipulating to accomplish his own ends. Jacob knows that all his ingenuity is no match for Esau's army. That is why he prays. But then he can't resist doing the best he can to improve his situation. Some people fault Jacob for this, but I can't find where God does. Was Jacob exercising faith by preparing this gift? Since faith without works is dead, I believe that we should exercise an active faith that works. On the other hand, I have gotten ahead of God and done things on my own that I have later regretted. So how do we know when we should wait on the Lord and when we should act? Listen, if you work out a formula, please let me know. Personally, I take to heart Romans 14, 23. For whatever is not from faith is sin. I pray, then I wait for God to give me wisdom and the faith, and then I act. Jacob's gift includes 580 animals, quite a gift. Verse 16, then he delivered them to the hand of his servants, every drove by itself, and said to his servants, pass over before me and put some distance between successive droves. And he commanded the first one saying, when Esau, my brother meets you and asks you saying, to whom do you belong and where are you going? Whose are these in front of you? Then you shall say, They are your servant Jacob's. It is a present sent to my lord Esau. And behold, he also is behind us. So he commanded the second, the third, and all who followed the drove, saying, In this manner you shall speak to Esau when you find him. And also say, Behold, your servant Jacob is behind us. For he said, I will appease him with the present that goes before me. And afterward, I will see his face. Perhaps he will accept me. So the present went on before him, but he himself lodged that night in the camp. Jacob delivers the animals into the hands of his servants and then tells them, Pass over before me. We will see that the servants would take the droves of animals over the ford of Jabbok, a stream in the mountains of Gilead that enters the Jordan River. Jacob's plan is that each successive drove will soften his brother's heart a little more so that by the time Esau meets him, his anger will have subsided and he will accept his younger brother. I must admit, there does seem to be much of the old Jacob in this clever plan. Although Jacob realizes that he needs God's help, he's not quite to the end of himself yet. I see a parallel between Jacob's preparation of Esau's heart to receive him and our preparation of the the hearts of others to receive Jesus Christ. In both cases, there is man's part and God's part. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians, And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. 
For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. God believes in wonderful family reunions, and he has given us a wonderful message of reconciliation. People are separated from God because of their sins, and God has called us to reconcile them to himself through the message of the cross of Jesus Christ. But people's hearts must be prepared. I'm not saying that you must give them 580 animals. In today's culture, they might curse you for that. But what I am saying is that we need to be prayerful and sensitive to the Holy Spirit in how we can prepare a person's heart to receive Jesus. Even the most antagonistic heart toward God can be turned. Do you believe that? Often people's hearts are softened by our actions before their ears are open to our words. As the saying goes, they don't care what we know until they know that we care. Jacob was motivated to change Esau's heart. Esau was marching toward him with an army of 400 men. But are we so motivated to change people's hearts toward Jesus? If you are a Christian, then God has given you the ministry of reconciliation. Jesus went to the cross to make peace between God and people. And we are the most Christ-like when through him we are reconciling others to God. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. They meet every Sunday morning at 1030 at Pepper Ridge Elementary School in Boise. Listen to any of Pastor Daryl's teachings or to find out more about the church, go to their website at calvarytv.org. That's calvarytv.org. We'd really love to hear from you. Most believers are familiar with Jacob wrestling all night with the angel of God. But what was the true purpose of this most unusual encounter? We hope you'll join us tomorrow as we continue in Genesis on Simply the Bible.